Welcome to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And today, Cindy, we're going to talk about the thing everybody loves, pasta. Yes, it's so good. Only now I can't eat it, Tony. Oh. It's so unfair. I think that's why I'm doing this program. That's nice of you. Very thoughtful. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fun to make, it's fun to eat, and it's fun to travel and try all the different you know, regions and different shapes and all those things. And you, you know a lot about pasta, so I can't wait to ask you some questions. Yeah, I, I, I've, Lord knows I've obsessed and spent a lot of time on it. And, <laughs> and the, the, you know, that it's funny, people always ask about an Italian food and Italian wine. Why is it so incredibly diverse? Why are these little funny pockets? I just say to look at a map, hmm. look at a topographical map of Italy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, it, it's all you need to know. People, their access to the rest of the, you know, of that peninsula is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. The access to the sea largely, you know, unless you're in Umbria, is pretty easy. So people tend to stay in their little pockets and these little individual traditions grow and they become very particular. And it's one of the more interesting things to chase. But a lot of times in the States, we just think, so, so what are the pastas you think that people definitely always like they think pasta they think what i think they think what what it depends on how old you are but if you're our age you know we grew up with spaghetti and manicotti so the tubes of pasta and macaroni of course and um you know lasagna sheets i think that's really what we think of uh you know because that's what we we're exposed to growing up and then hopefully you either got to eat in Italian restaurants as you got older, or you traveled to Italy and got to experience the real deal. Um, you know, and then you're exposed to more and all of a sudden you have tortellini and uh, uh, now we have agnolotti pretty, pretty prevalently. And, you know, now we have, you know, every shape in the world because, you know, people are into it and chefs are, you know, expanding their knowledge of, of pasta shapes as well. And yeah. So you know me, I like to sort of like uh, codify and and, uh, and and organize things, you know, sort of by uh, by by some reasonable type. So uh, let's maybe uh, spend a couple of minutes on what are the different types of pasta that are being produced. So what what we grew up with, with you know, was going down the grocery store aisle and seeing uh, what San Giorgio. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe uh, if you're fancy barilli or something on the shelf, and it was always dried pasta. It was always in the south, and it was very, very rarely uh, egg pasta, which is what you see, you know, sort of north of the Po in Emilia Romagna. But there, there's certainly the two basic differences. Uh, one, once you're in the south, it's usually just you know flour, <laughs> water, and salt. And when you're in the north, typically it's eggs or just egg yolks. Uh, like I know your your chef makes pasta with just yolks. At at uh, our Italian place, we make pasta with just flour, yolks, and sea salt, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so that that makes for a very different thing. It also makes for something different tradition, uh, nutritionally, I should say. Mm-hmm. 
and so then the question becomes, what do you do with it? And what we see on the shelf is always the extruded pasta, the dried uh, pasta that's come through. You know, it's basically like a little machine that has a a die that the dough pushes through it and it comes through in a shape. Sometimes you can do that by hand and dry by hand, but that is really challenging. It's kind of wild. There's a, a, a connected to just that thought that pasta producer uh, Rusticella d'Abruzzo that I always talk about the dry pasta producer in Abruzzo. Mm-hmm. They have uh, these dyes from the 1880s that that they like preserved and duplicated, and that is how they cut all of their pasta that's extruded, which is kind of crazy because they're totally different than what you see in uh, in other places, and they that and they have some of the old names for some of the pastas. Well, we should also talk about flour while we're talking about ingredients. What flour do you like to use when you make? Uh, I know we use it at our restaurant, and I don't know what they use at the Italian place. Um, are they using double zero? Yeah. And so do we. Is that what yeah. you use when you make pasta at home? At home, a lot of times I'll just use straight durum. Not quite as fine as that because honestly, it's a little easier for the girls to 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 work with. Uh, you know, work working that dough is a little bit tougher when it's a double zero. But that the double zero certainly absorbs uh, the eggs differently and certainly cooks in a more tender way. Do you make the pasta dough by hand or do you put it in a mixer? Uh, by hand. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, frankly, if you're, if you're seven years old, what is more fun? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> than making yeah. a well in the center of some flour for, yeah. uh, for eggs and... Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but that's well, I right. like I like feeling it. Different. I mean, I think that's part yeah. of the process is it's silky and beautiful to the touch. So, of course, it's I mean, I think that's it's a little bit like making bread. I mean, it's the interaction with you and the dough is pretty fun. The positives are how incredibly messy it can be when you're seven <laughs> and, uh, and, and how much you can get on dad's pants. Right. Well, that yeah, would, but, that's a good goal. Yeah, you know that's that's fine. I, I learned pretty quickly. I've got to wear particular. So, so what are your close with that? What shapes are you using right now that you're excited about that might be different from what other people are thinking of? Oh, I, I, what I was thinking about with shapes was just to talk about uh, for a few minutes just the different sort of groups of pastas. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's long shapes, short shapes, uh, stretched pastas, uh, soup pastas, okay, filled pastas. You know, when you think about it. That, <laughs> The, the, exactly. to sound Ex- like Forrest Gump. Ex- exactly. So look, lo- just long pastas, like short <laughs> list of favorites and where they're from and okay. what you do with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was funny. I was thinking about this and I, I was reading a, a book on Ligurian wines. So I was thinking, oh, fedellini. So fedellini are these little skinny spaghettis that have a little tiny twist to them. They come from Genoa that are awesome. Mm-hmm. We're just like olive oil, uh, like flaked sardines. Uh, green garlic, lots of parsley, holy smokes. But fedellini is an easy one to make. Uh, bucatini, you know, from Lazio. And bucatini is uh, so many of the really popular things you think of, like uh, uh, carbonara or um, as far as preparations, or amatriciana. Uh, th- those things are great with bucatini. They, they, because it's bucatini is a little tube is literally like a like a piece of hay you know and that opening that's in there it it wants sauce in there 
So those things that make not a heavy sauce, it has to be something that, that absorbs in there easily. Another one that, uh, that, again, I don't think we always make, but now I'm motivated to, to make it again, is Bigoli. Uh, Bigoli is from the Veneto, and, and Bigoli is also usually for um, like small shellfish, like you'll see it for clams, you'll see it for, uh, and you'll also see it for chicken livers. What's the shape? Um, what is Bigoli, like? mm -hmm. B-I-G-O-L-I. It's kind of, um, it's not as thick as peachy, the, the one that you see in Tuscany, which is so like thick and like wants like ridiculous meat sauce. That's put you to sleep pasta. Um, but no, Bigoli is a little bit smaller than that, but still maybe the size of like uh, macaronata or something. Let's talk, Sandy, for a minute about shapes that I know that you like, fettuccine and tagliatelle. Those are both shapes that like a rich sauce. And uh, fettuccine from Lazio, uh, like Bucatini. Uh, and fettuccine is funny because sometimes you'll see it made with egg, sometimes you'll see it made without. Um, usually you figure with the egg, richer prep, without lighter prep. Mm -hmm. um, but not, all, not always. Uh, tagliatelle is from Bologna. And, and you think of them sort of interchangeably because the, the shape is similar. It's that, that long, flat. Tagliatelle, you always think tagliatelle is about three times as wide as spaghetti. Uh, fettuccine is supposed to be about four times to five times as wide as spaghetti, if that makes sense. But those are, those are fun and easy ones and fun ones to twirl. And, and those are good practice twirling pastas for kids. I think even more than spaghetti because spaghetti is so skinny, um, you will get sauce flung around. And yes, I... <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, right now I'm serving uh, grilled veal sweetbreads with, with fettuccine and we just got in our first Australian winter truffles. So I made a uh, cream sauce with those and we tossed the fettuccine with the truffle sauce and then put a little bit of veal and chicken reduction on the plate as well. And then um, with that, that veal sweetbread and slices of truffle if the guest wants it. And uh, it's just amazing how that sauce clings to that pasta and it's just it's exactly what you want it to do, you know? I love fettuccine, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, that sounds like a wonderful, rich preparation. But it's funny, when you hear that immediately, you think, oh, so I, I need wine, not just to pair with that for because I want the flavor, but I need to cut that, that's rich. You know, that's... <laughs> it is rich. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so the, what wine? The, uh, with that particular one, ooh. I mean, it, honestly, probably, probably Pimonte. Uh, probably northern Piemonte, um, maybe something from Spana or from Gattinara. Uh, so Nebbiolo, like in Barolo, but but a little bit less tannic, a little bit lighter, brighter, very mineral mm -hmm. for the truffles, you know. Same way that Burgundy likes truffles. Let me take you back to long shapes. Sure. There is a cool one. I think you may have seen this in Calabria uh, or eaten this in Calabria, Filege. And oh. filege is like a, a spaghetti noodle, or mm -hmm. like if, if you took like a, a wet shirt and you wrung it out skinny as you could, and then kind of spun it around, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it it's like that but dried. And, okay. Uh, yeah, and those are awesome with like little tiny things. Like if it's just a simple uh, pasta for like a garlic and capers and chilies, you know, just purely is like a zippy, satisfying thing. Mm -hmm. um, that's great for that sort of thing. Uh, Pappardelle, I know you like Pappardelle. I love Pappardelle. And, and, and that's like, you I know. I love how fat it is. 
Exactly. That's that's Fat. even wider. That right. that's as wide as ten spaghettis, you know. <laughs> and uh, people always seem to make the when you see the different. You go in the store and you see the different colored pasta. You in a restaurant, you see the different like the ones that are green from spinach or the red from tomato or, you know, that that people always seem to want to make pappardelle. I think because it's so big, it shows it off. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a pappardelle in a very particular restaurant up on uh, Lake Maggiore that makes pappardelle with uh, Tuscan kale. So it has some of that bitter, uh, that very, very dark kale. It has some of that bitter flavor that's actually in there. And it's an egg pasta. So it's rich and rich. And they will grill little birds. And it could be partridge or it could be quail. And just pick all the meat and make a fricassee with that and mm. fresh walnuts. And uh, ay, ay, ay. You know, and, and yes, plenty of butter in the pan with that. <laughs> and then uh, I think the one that everyone wishes they could have for the little kid um, stringozzi. Uh, stringozzi are literally look like shoelaces. They're intended to look like shoelaces. <laughs> wow. And even down to being twisted on the ends, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, just, just like a small favorites list of long pastas is sort of huge, right? Yes. So to move on from long shapes, stretched pasta, you never hear stretched pasta. Here's the quiz question for you. Can you think of a stretched pasta shape? No, I'm not sure what you're referring to. So when Unless you make you're talking stre- about like fusilli or something. No, when you, it's, when you make stretched pasta, it's like the easiest thing. You make a little round disc. Mm-hmm. And then you have whatever your, whatever your mold or something is to pass it across. Mm-hmm. You know, or roll it across. Um, you, you literally just take that dough and push it with your hand across that like orchietti is the most is, is the most widely oh, found sure or gnocchi which isn't yeah is something well, else but n- like that little thing yep. for the gnocchi yeah got it yeah no, but but that that's its own thing right what so, was the pasta we had in italy when uh, we all sat down after lunch and learned how to make it do you remember that i think it was on a rod she she called it macaronata mm-hmm. but i i don't think that was macaronata i mean it that I mean, that was filage. It was so good that, that she that she was making, and so that, hard was to that, make exactly was the that, way she wanted but, it. Mm-hmm. Well, because she was she was using a a little stick, you know, mm-hmm. a, a little dowel, and it's something traditionally. Like I said, you hold it and spin it like a wet shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and you kind of and you pull it, but she was like doing it like that was that was so it was like custom, mm-hmm. uh, for the you know it, it was custom filage. Okay. But yeah, that's that, that's the classic Calabrian shape and great. Definitely. <laughs> and great with the with the with the tomato sauce with the Calabrian lots of Calabrian chilies and and the porcini is in it as well. That so Yeah, that was very a happy lunch. And yeah. When we come back on Formula Wolf on food and wine, we're going to zip through short shape pastas, soup pastas, filled pastas, and probably most importantly, talk about cooking pasta, how to get a really good result on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine.
Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And today is all about pasta. We're running through different kinds of shapes. We did some long shapes in the first segment. So, Sen, I'm going to give you a quick list of short shapes. And it's funny, in restaurants, people always order short shapes. Mm-hmm. While at home, they always want long shapes. I think that's because they're afraid of being messy <laughs> with the long shapes. Twirling things around on themselves. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I the, get it. I get it. I made a short list of some of the things that, I, I think cavatappi is one of those things that a lot of people have seen. Mm-hmm. And by short shapes, I mean it's like it's a shape and then it's cut to a very manageable, like get one or two on your fork kind of shape. Turchietti, which is pretty similar to cavatappi, but it's got more ridges to it. Uh, uh which is a little bigger version of the same. Looks a little bit like a scroll, actually. Um, so it's sort of a double version of that. Garganelli, I know you know, and I know you know is a huge favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garganelli is a little bit like a tube, but it's one of those, like if you took a piece of paper and you folded it on itself, not exactly right, and made a, a little loop to it. Yeah. Uh, it is that. It's beautiful pasta. It, I love that. It, it is. Well, you can tell it's very much like one at a time crafted kind of thing. Definitely. It's great as an egg pasta. It's also great as a flavored pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you know, the, the pasta nero, the, the pasta you use squid ink to make a black pasta for seafood preparations. Uh, it's wonderful with that, but it's also it, any number of like zucchini flowers. I've had it with zucchini flowers and a little lamb ragu and can be amazing. The opening is just big enough for little bits of the lamb to, you know. Nestle to, in there. To, to, to exactly. Mm-hmm. Gemelli is just, you know, sort of two guys stuck together. It's almost like two spaghetti stuck together. Maltagliati, I think, is one of my favorite things in the world to make because, uh, again, my little girls can make it. You lay out a sheet of pasta, and it's, once you punch out, let's say you're punching out ravioli or something like that, all the stuff that's left, you can kind of just you just cut it and make like moderate-sized little shapes. Maltagliata means badly cut. That's fun. <laughs> Literally, it's Love really it. good. Really good soup pasta. Yeah. You know, like if if yeah. if you're making uh, uh, pasta vajoli or something like that, it's great soup pasta. Well, we always try not to waste anything, so that's yeah, exactly. a good idea. I know the world knows rigatoni. I think the one you want to look for, grown-up rigatoni, is called pacchetti. Usually, if the producer is making what they call pacchetti, it's it's probably a higher quality producer. Strozzapretti, for those who went to Catholic school, you like this one. Strozzapretti means priest joker or priest strangler. You can take that in a dark way if you want to. You no. can also say that you know the clergy ate so much of it that they couldn't mm. stop themselves. Okay. Oh, and and uh, and an old favorite uh, from Sardinia. I know you know this one, Maloredos. Mm-hmm. Maloredos are easy to make. They're, they're a bit like gnocchi uh, because they've got a little potato in there, uh, but not too much. And usually Maloredos is made with either saffron or flower pistols. So it's also nice to make with zucchini flowers that are crushed up. Very special. And so we're coming into a time of the year when Maloredos uh, can be made. Can't wait to get yeah. zucchini flowers. Yeah, the the... Traditional Sicilian preparation that's a pretty easy one, a la norma. A la norma is always three things. It's eggplant, tomato, garlic. Mm-hmm. 
and onion. Of course, I guess there's really four things, but onion product. Um, but stewed nicely together, and that that with moderators is always super. You can throw some chilies in there as well. You want to talk about cooking pasta? Yes. Cooking cooking dried pasta and cooking fresh pasta is a little different, right? Right. Yeah, but just a slight time commitment change there. I mean, obviously, fresh pasta cooks 30 seconds to a minute, depending on what the shape is, um, and rapidly boiling water with good amount of salt in it, and you want a, you know, a good-sized pot. You don't want to try to cook a pasta in a small amount of water. It is absorbing the liquid, so... Uh, and with dried pasta, you know, you're, you're using your pot once, um, to cook something that could be six to seven or eight minutes. And, um, again, rapidly boiling water, um, that you can, you know, it, it should boil, uh, once you, once the pasta, you want it to recover quickly. So once you drop the pasta in, you want it to come back up to a boil, but you don't want it to boil over, obviously. So you may have to turn it down a little bit, but not much. And, um, just again, salt in the water, and then you have your colander ready to strain. And, um, you know, that's, it's very simple. Uh, I can, you know, I make, we may used to make a lot of macaroni for uh, a truffle sauce and a box of DiCecco macaroni cooks perfectly in six minutes, period, end of story. Um, you know, as long and you can either drain and eat or drain and run cold water over it and drain it again and have it ready for later. Uh, you, either way, but obviously you can't do that with fresh pasta. Fresh pasta has to be cooked and eaten. That's the other big difference. Yeah, well, I mean, fresh made pasta also, it's much shorter cooking time. Well, sometimes you want to keep a little bit of the pasta water, especially with the fresh pasta. One, for the salt, two, for the moisture, and three, if the preparation that you have is largely garnish and really not much sauce, you, you're going to need a little bit of liquid and also, I, you don't want to finish pasta in the, the water that you're cooking it in, right? I mean, you, the, right. it goes in the water to get hot, uh, to get almost done, and to become seasoned by the salt. That's why the salt's so important in there. Uh, when it comes out of that, when you dump it, uh, hopefully you're dumping it into the pan with all the rest of the preparation. And sometimes, depending upon how moist that prep is or not, you're going to want a little bit of the water. Because you usually want to work it for at least a moment or two. Mm -hmm. um, to develop you, flavor. You recall going to the restaurant in uh, in uh, Sicily uh, called Charleston in Palermo. Very well. Right? They, op they opened in 1920. And the, the pasta with the clams the, that the fellow was making along, alongside the table. Yeah. And he must have finished the pasta for like three minutes with the clams. Definitely. And it certainly wasn't overcooked. It was fantastic. But the the point of that it was that that is the best reminder that I have seen of some, like okay, it takes time and care to get flavor into the pasta itself. The point is the pasta. It's nice to have the garnishes, but the point is the pasta, mm -hmm. and that drove it home for me probably as much as as anything, you know. Well, and also there's a little bit of flour in the water, so it will help to yeah. thicken things up a bit too, which is nice when you use a tiny yeah. bit of your cooking liquid. Yeah, that doesn't be yeah, exactly. Don't don't go dumping a whole lot of it in there. Mm -mm. Um, cooking filled pastas with and and I want to run through a few filled pastas as well. But cooking those is a bit different. Also, that's a little more challenging, don't you think? Yeah. Well, you you have a doneness issue, and sometimes the center can feel because sometimes that dough in the center is is well not sometimes the dough in the center will be more thin 
than the edges. So you have a little bit of a challenge there because while it may appear to be thicker because it's stuffed, that filling tends to be looser and you know lighter in texture. So it cooks a little faster in the center than it may on the edges. So you definitely want to feel those edges to make sure the pasta is done before you remove it. Oh, one last thing. You, you, you started to ask me about uh, macaroni that used to be cooked risotto style years ago. Mm-hmm. It's funny. That was kind of, uh, that was just a take off on cacio pepe, which is the classic, one of the four classic Roman pastas. And maybe one that requires the most care because it doesn't get any fat. There's no oil. You know, it's literally you're just, you cook the pasta a little more than halfway in, in water. And then it goes in a pan with some of the pasta water. And as you go along, a lot of pecorino cheese and a decent amount of fresh cracked pepper. And, the, and cracking it fresh is a big deal. And, and cacio pepe is all about using that pasta, that starch in the pasta itself to, to thicken and make creamy and is between the salt and the, the snappy pepper that's there and the, the pecorino um, and, and the starch is what makes that a creamy thing. And getting that nailed exactly right is a big deal. There's nowhere to hide preparing that mm-hmm. pasta. If you really want to challenge yourself, in macaroni, it can be made with macaroni, uh, but bucatini I think is probably my favorite to make it with, because it sort of fills up with that creaminess in the in the tube there as well. Mm-hmm. But that's um, I think that's a, if you really want to be, want to become a serious pasta cook and kind of understand how uh, how things work, what are the different mechanisms? That's a really good way to do it. I think one of the other challenges with making fresh pasta, especially if you're making a filled shape is what is the texture of the filling and how easy is it to work with in other words you know you want the t- the filling to feel you know light and pillow like and all of that but you have to have some sort of consistency you know you can't let it run all over the pasta dough obviously it has to hold its shape and and yet you don't want to go too far by making it too heavy and and firm filling you know, that's, you know, like I'll make a goat cheese agnolotti and I put a little bit of ricotta in, but not too much because that quickly makes that goat cheese loose. Um, and I like the flavor of the goat cheese anyway. So the ricotta just gives it a little bit of softness and helps it because goat cheese technically is pretty crumbly um, unless you whip it. And uh, so I just mix in a little bit of ricotta, a little bit of reggiano or pecorino and uh, pepper and um then you can make that filling and pipe it yeah. out so you can yeah, make no, your agnolotis. You, you need that smooth. I mean, that's the, if, the texture of your stuffing, the, the force meat, you know, that, that's a big deal. Getting it exactly right and having enough. It takes a lot of practice fat, to get fat it perfectly. in there. Yeah. Like there's, I don't know how to describe it other than there's a certain feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a filled pasta. Like one of my real holy grail pastas is, is an anolini. It's from Mantua, and you'll see it all over, like, north-central Italy. Um, but Annalini, usually you make it, you use an entire chicken to make the, the filling. And that means using the livers and the heart and <laughs> the feet great. for the gelatin and, uh, and their cream, eggs, and butter in the filling as well, you would like mm-hmm. that. And, of course, some Parmigiano. Delicious. And, uh, yeah, but it, it literally, like, you just 
boil the chicken, cool it in the water overnight, and then any water that you need to keep, get the texture exactly right, you have that stock basically mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to make that work. And when you make the annellini, it's, imagine a, it's like the way that you'd make a ravioli, except it's overfilled. So it's kind of round on both sides and has a little bit of a turn to it. Like it's going very fast and the wind is blowing its hair back. That was know? a smart lady that came up with that whole idea. There's no question. <laughs> That's someone who's like, I'm going to boil a chicken and make yeah. pasta. I don't know what I'm yet. I'm going to use everything. And I'm going to cool it down. And I'm going to have exactly. this wonderful stock. I mean, that's like perfection. Exactly. That's cooking perfection well, there, using well, all the, the animal as well. Well, exactly. But it's also, I mean, and you throw lots of aromatics in the pot. There's, and there's always fennel in the pot. That's, that's a big deal. There's always a lot of fennel in the pot. One of my favorite all-time moments was showing Pedro, uh, who was who's worked with us for years and years, who makes pasta for us, mm-hmm. how to make this particular filling. And we, we go through cooking the chicken, doing all this stuff. And he's like, oh, my mother does this. Uh, and Pedro's from South Central Mexico, right? So mm-hmm. yep. it's good. just funny how like it's around the world. It's just flour is what has grown there. So, um, But those guys, are usually you serve them in broth. And, and some, again, sometimes I think the, when you do something simple that just shows the pasta really, really well and all the care, because it's just broth and the pasta dough and the filling, all three of those things require a huge amount of care to get something beautiful across. But I don't know that you can improve upon that. No, I agree. So you, you'd mentioned Agnolotti before. Um, and the, yes, there are bunches of versions of it. Uh, my favorite by far is Agnolotti dal Plin, which is the one plain means that it's pinched. It's kind of mm-hmm. squeezed a little bit in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always a, a meat and usually multiple kinds of um, meat uh, filled pasta. And uh, the best I've ever had, it definitely had a little bit of pork liver in it. Caramelle, which I, I know that uh, you guys have made before a couple of times. Casense, you know, which uses all parts of the pig also. Mm-hmm. Uh, fagottini, which is the laziest filled pasta of all. You literally squirt it all down there, cut it out too big, and then pull it up. Hmm. Uh, Mezzaluna, which is my girl's all-time favorite thing in the world, usually filled with cheese. Pansotti, only ever filled with vegetables or cheese. Ravioli, tortelli, oh my, they're too many. They're too many. It's I'm so sorry. fun. It's such a great world. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you can utilize it. anything. I mean... That's the reason that there are so many different kinds of pastas because people need to eat. And if you have something in the refrigerator, you're going to, or in your cooler, you're going to figure out a way to feed people. And pasta is a great utilizer, whatever it's, shape it is. Talking about this with you is reminding me, this is, this is one of the biggest rabbit holes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of all the food topics that we could, if we thought the cheese was a speedy way to lose an hour. <laughs> Pasta shapes. I'm just literally not even like I'm halfway through some favorites. That's just nuts. With filled shapes, do you have a favorite? I, I like anything in the form of an agnolotti or a ravioli. Um, I, I, Everardo, my chef de cuisine, has some really beautiful tools that he works with that uh, he has found or was given to him and uh, by a very nice lady and um, who came and worked with us one day in the kitchen. Knows a lot about pasta. And uh, these, I think these tools are important to uh, know about and understand. And I know you can uh, find them 
through the internet, which is such a great resource because it would have been very hard to find a lot of there, a lot of them have brass pieces, the wooden handle with the brass piece, and those should last forever if you take care of it, um, or at least a very long time. And um, yeah, I, I think having the right tools, uh, the right kind of uh, pin to roll the dough out with, uh, are also things that we need to think about when making pasta. Well, when we come back to the rabbit hole that is pasta on formidable <laughs> phone food and wine, I want to get to another filled pasta, <laughs> just mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. uh, gnocchi, soup pastas, and then let's talk a little bit about pasta and wine, uh, pasta and cheese, how you finish pasta, and there are a lot of variables. Yes. All of that and more on Formidable Phone Food and Wine. Welcome back to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Jeff Cindy Wolf. And Cindy and I are, God, we, 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 you can't stop with pasta as a topic, can you? <laughs> no. It's just it's, like this. Just it's a, forever. And, a, and this mirror and that mirror and the next I want mirror some, and the next mirror. Yeah, I want some so badly right now, I'm too. So I, sorry. Oh, my gosh. When you started talking about Del Plain, I'm like, oh, please. Oh. Uh, so I don't want to jump ahead too much, but we need a we need a wine just for Del Plain, Tony. How about that? Well, it depends which style, what the preparation style is. Agnolotti mm -hmm. dal plin, that, mm. that uh, filled pasta, uh, meat-filled pasta that you see in Piemonte. I mean, if it's just purely, some places will serve it, some people will serve it, where it's just like cooked in broth a little bit, or just served with a little bit of broth, mm -hmm. or maybe that and some celery leaves. Mm. I like wilting in the broth. That kind of, and we're getting local aromatic. celery right now. That would be nice. I, the leaves are so good. And we're and you're getting local green garlic too, so that would be fun for pasta oh, right yeah. now. Oh yeah, this is a good time for pasta. Yeah, that's exactly. That's like all the great veggies out of the garden are coming, and that's. Mm -hmm. I mean, I made very old-fashioned marinara, which is not like what you think uh, on Sunday for brunch for the the, the girls. Um, anyway, your question was about agnolotti d'alpine and wine. I would either look for a first-class Barbera d'alba. Um, if you want something that's not too tannic, or if the wine is going to carry you through something um, afterwards, like if you're having agnolotti traditionally as a as like your first real course, and then you have uh, meat or something after that, like that, or bird afterwards, um, then maybe you want uh, barbaresco, something younger, something with some fruit to it and a bounce to it. If the more serious the preparation, the more that you have something that's more of a sauce, if it has a little bit of a ragu. Um, which literally means like just meat cooked in stock, reduced uh, with aromatics and vegetables and a little tomato paste and, and sometimes um, some you know, additional broth just kind of make it really rich because um, everyone does a different ragu. But like that, that wants something more power. That wants uh, more age. You know, that's going to be a little more complex and a little heavier. So Barolo, something with some bottle age on it, like a, 
2012 or 2006 right now would be super uh in a perfect world so anyway uh, you got me off on that oh i was going to talk about tortelli so the tor tortelli are little cakes right we think the most famous one we know you mentioned tortellini tortellini are one version that you see in emilia romagna right that's a smaller one tortelli are a little bit bigger I think a lot of times what, um, like we definitely make a true tortellini at the Italian place. Um, tortone are, the, are really big ones. If you recall, there was a restaurant on uh, Lake Como or near Lake Como, El Vapore, that used to make uh, the big ones, oh, tortone. So good. Uh, which, would, you know, you have like four on a plate and you're With done. With pumpkin, right? And sage yeah. and brown yep. butter. Oh. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that's a big classic Let's Piemontese right thing. Can we get on a plane? Yeah. Hang on. But I was going to take you through regional <laughs> tortelli. <laughs> yeah, I know. Regional Are tortelli. we allowed to go to Italy? <clears throat> well, first, we have to finish this radio program. Okay? All right. Um, in different regions of Italy, Emilia-Romagna, Capellacci. Oh. Um, okay, I like which I think, Capelletti. even though Capelletti is what I think you were thinking, I think you're, Capelletti is the right name for the Pope's hat, Capellacci, I think, are what you were thinking of. They're from, there's another one from Emilia Romagna, a little bit different shape. Uh, Tordelli are from Tuscany. Uh, sometimes those are filled with pigeon, man. They're so good. Mm. Um, and then in Casunse, you know, and the, it's funny that different regions of Lombardia have totally different versions of Casunse. They like spell differently. They them differently all that kind of business but it, it always means like the kitchen sink kind of like all the different parts of the often pork but sometimes it's mixed so oh and gnocchi can't leave gnocchi out i love gnocchi it's fun to make no. too when people's complain about gnocchis it's always heavy so what, what do you think is the be. secret to making it light the proper ratio of of potato to flour and using the right flour right yeah so what do you do you uh, boil the the potatoes, and I would use a russet, a baking potato, not a Yukon Gold or Fingerling, anything like that. You want something that's drier, and uh, you boil them, and or you can bake them, and then uh, passing it through a tammy is going to be one of the greatest things in the world because that takes away any little pieces and makes it fluffy, and then you add your flour and your egg and salt and um, form your gnocchis and flick them on that cute little board that has it's a little board you hold it in your hand it has a handle a wooden board and it's probably about the size of your hand and it has little lines on it and you, you just sort of flick them down that it's funny because that the, the gnocchi the gnocchetti and you have to get different boards <laughs> if you want a specific size you need you know it's it you, you need a different board it doesn't really work mm -hmm. to try to make bigger ones or smaller ones on the wrong board um I think the ratio of flour to potato is surprising sometimes for people because a lot of times they'll think, oh, it's just a little bit of potato. Like, no, it's like 35, 40% potato. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that that makes a difference. So how you treat the potato is a very big deal. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that, that Maloretos that I mentioned before, uh, the Sardinian version, is usually a much smaller amount of potato that's there. And that ends up being a little bit more like a dumpling, but that's that's often a very 
simple preparation too. That's often with nuts, maloritos. Well, and when you're talking about making fresh pasta and storing it, you have to be careful because, you know, it, it, it's not going to be good for long. You know, it's your, your, you should really make it today and eat it today. That's, that should be your goal. Um, you know, if you have it on a, on a sheet pan and you have flour on the pan and, you know, a, a, a bit of parchment paper or wax paper or something, and you can keep it separate from each other, not touching each other and all that, you know, but it will dry out. That's what happens. So you really, ideally you would make the fresh dough and you would eat it that day. Yeah. Morning, morning for night is a lot of times what you think next day fine, but it better be separated nicely. You got to have enough flour there. I will admit, I don't think it's that hard to make fresh pasta, but it's going to be a mess the first five or six times that you do it. It just is. And, you, and you're going to fail and stuff is going to stick together and stuff. And it's okay. And you can watch you, videos of the, of making the different shapes too. I think it's, I think that's such, again, just such a great resource to be able to actually watch someone making agnolotti or tortellini or whatever shape you are interested in. Oh, I'm going to throw one last obscure gnocchi variation in on you. Do you remember Canederli at the Pretzoff oh. up in the Alto Arage? Okay, yes. Yeah, they're, they're a type of knorl. And it's, when I mentioned, by the way, soup pastas before, that's really the teeny stuff. I know that you love some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Cine di Pepe or, um, you know, Annalini. Uh, Occhi di Pernice is one of the fun, really geeky shapes. If you want to impress your friends, go find some dried Occhi di Pernice. I haven't made a Cini di Pepe in a long time. We used to make a di Well, we had the dish at Taivon, uh, you know, in 1994, mm -hmm. and it had lobster and crawfish and excellent, excellent French butter, Bourblanc, and, and a little bit of fresh tomato concasse and... Oh my gosh, I will never forget eating that. I haven't made, I haven't, I used to make that dish and it had ham in it too, a yeah. little bit of French ham. And oh, I love the way a chini de pepe feels in your mouth. I love it just rolling around in there before you really get to enjoy the taste. And I, it's one of my favorites, definitely. I think if I had children, I would definitely want them to have some a chini de pepe because it's kind of fun. There is a, there is a pasta shape, may probably the original pasta shape. Um, in the Mediterranean long before it's supposed to have arrived there. Uh, the, the earliest ones, you know, there's fideos um, that you see in, uh, you've seen it in Barcelona and, and in Catalonia before, uh, and Sardinia. There's another shape that's like a Chino de Pepe called Fregola. And, and they're these little tiny, almost like pearls, basically, mm. like very small pearls of pasta. And that's... Uh, that, that can be just tremendous stuff with flaked fish and lots of vegetables and that kind of thing, um, mm. tossed and chilies and garlic and, and so on and so on. Like there's, there's a million different variations on it. But Fregola, it, you're talking about stuff that's, you know, probably 2,000 years old, not, mm. not 600 years old, like so most of the pasta that's in, that, that's in the, on the peninsula. So the pasta we had in Italy with the lady that she made on the dal, what would what what wine would you have with oh, that? With the, the tomato? Oh my gosh. The one the one that she called macaronata that was filege. 
That must be just with the name for that's you know like every valley like the name for the exact same thing seems to change same grape gets called different stuff on two different sides of the same hill <laughs> it's uh but yeah filege that with the with the, the tomato sauce with the chiles and the porcinis um i mean the, the wine from the region the grape galliopo you know the the region was chiro c-i-r-o and there's a lot of good quality winemakers um, that have come up in that area uh, and, and just south of there as well. Um, Is the wine Ipoli expensive? Not usually terribly, no. Mm -hmm. Not usually terribly. Um, but that, that can be super, honestly, they're also great pizza wines. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the names like uh, Eduardi, or um, uh, Ippolito, those are probably the two most easily available in the in the U.S. market. But you can look for things just with the Cheeto, C-I-R-O, uh, appellation. And the pumpkin pasta at, uh, up the road from Villa d'Este oh. with the sage oh. and the brown butter. Yeah, yeah. The, I yeah, can the, taste that the, right now. Uh, that's amazing stuff. <laughs> well, it, you can do rich whites with that. For sure, you mm -hmm. can do sparkling with that. That's kind of like a mm. sneaky. That's nice. You know, a little little Franciacorta from Bella Vista, with the brown butter. It's nice to have the uh, the, the sparkling, the little yeasty thing. Um, if you do red, it's got to be a lighter, prettier one. You know, that's I would I would go with a light touch. You don't need tannin for uh, for pumpkin. You know, pumpkin sweet. Mm -hmm. I think that the bubbles might be my favorite choice for that. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Tony, how about the beautiful wide noodle pappardelle with some ragu, maybe lamb ragu or duck ragu? What would you drink with that? Oh, lots, lots of different things potentially. Um, lamb ragu, I might, I mean, um, lamb ragu, I might go Tuscany. Uh, so maybe Cante Classico or Cante Classico Reserva, maybe wine from Monsanto or... Um, there, there are a lot of good producers, <laughs> and, and you're into excellent vintages right now too. Fifteen, sixteen are strong. Fourteen's the only one that's relatively recent that's a bit avoidable. Um, okay. But yeah, if it's duck ragu, you want Bordeaux grapes. Um, that duck bloods may sound strange, but it, it, there's a sweetness to it, and it it likes uh, Cab and Merlot. So look for wine from Bulgari, also Tuscany. The uh, the Tuscan coast B O L G H E R I, man, there's never enough time for pasta. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now I want to get on a plane. Me too. Now I want to go cook. <laughs> anyway, if you want, <laughs> now now we're sad at the end of the program. Right, right. <laughs> if you want to listen to this program or any of the other ones, you can listen to podcasts. Go to the WYPR website, wypr.org. Look up the Foreman Wolf page, and you'll see a full menu of goodies right there. If you want to email, correspond with us, foremanwolf at wipr.org. To follow Cindy Wolf on social media. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or what's the other one? <laughs> Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, or Facebook as Chef Wolf, Cindy Wolf. And my Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. Thanks very much for listening. Happy Sunday. <laughs>